Welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you're already a loyal listener, please take a minute to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app so you can find us easier next time and help your fellow players stumble upon us. If you feel ambitious, you can also make a donation to the show on PayPal or become a patron. Regardless of how you choose to support us, thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dark Death Podcast, your go-to place for the modern legacy format. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I'm here with the PAX Hope himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm doing great because I'm talking to my friend, Billy. How are you doing? I'm doing great, too. That's so nice to call me your friend. Man, what, what an honor. What a gift. It felt like being pleasant this week. It's a nice change of pace. Well, you got... so, how's life been going? It's been good. Trying to keep some... Uh, levity around here, trying to make myself as calm and peaceful as possible. I've got um, a lot of PTO I have to burn in the next couple months, so I, I am trying to take days off where I, I need to. I had off yesterday, actually. My wife had an appointment, and we had nobody to watch Raleigh while she was gone for you know, two and a half hours, so I stayed home. Her and I watched Moana and Frozen for a couple hours. We I put her down for bed i got her up for breakfast we brushed our teeth like it was it was a good day like one of those very rare days i don't get a lot of days especially during the week to spend time with her so it was a really nice change of pace put me in a good mood for the week it's interesting to hear you say that you are like taking more time off work coming up because i like the opposite thing i've been working 30 hours which has been kind of really fun actually but also not working 40 hours feels kind of weird mm-hmm. and uh, now i'm up to 40 hours so i feel like we're kind of swapping places we are yeah i mean i think i still have to work out some logistics here but i think there's a good chance i work like zero hour weeks during january um just the way this is gonna my whole schedule is gonna work out um, you just say zero hour weeks? yeah i'm pretty sure i'm gonna i'm gonna be on the the posting coast once we get into january but well i still have to work out some details with the jobs and the wife and whatnot, but we'll we'll see. It's uh it's the whole thing. I, I I have too much PTO is is kind of the issue, and it's one of the things you you either use it or essentially lose it because you you can't take it with you when you when you leave or if you retire or anything like that. The only way you can get paid off on it is if you retire. They will never pay for pay you for it otherwise. And I want to make sure I use as much of it as possible. I don't want to have you know hundreds of unpaid hours that. I'm never going to be able to utilize, so uh, I might have to con- convert some of it in the coming weeks. That's kind of what my plan is. That is, uh, that is understandable. Mm-hmm. My last job paid out my PTO. It was very appreciated. Um, it, it just feels weird uh, every time I hear somebody say, like, oh, yeah, my job wouldn't give me my PTO. It's like, you earned that. Yeah. <laughs> like, essentially, they. it's kind of like your job just paid you less like mm-hmm. retroactively then and that's crappy because that's you know not what you signed up for so yeah and like yeah i mean once again your your wife is a teacher so you you know this more than anybody but like teachers taking days off is just more work it's, it's more work for me to take a day off than for me to actually come into school and actually just teach for a day just the way it kind of works out so me having like you're kind of distant there's no incentive for you as a teacher to take days off even though you have so many so you kind of ha- you end up with this glut. Like a, a friend of mine retired 
uh, with uh, 200 and, 210, something like that, days. Um, and once again, he, he'd been working for, uh, in the system, I think, for like 35 years, something like that. He, he just had them stocked up. But, you know, he, he retired and they paid him, I think, like 70% of, the, of his rate. Which is like they don't like once again. Once you're actually taking the day off, they just don't pay you full value either. So like, if I actually take the day off, they pay me like it's a normal day, which is actually some value for me. So, yeah, we're uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna dwindle down our number a little bit in the in the next coming coming weeks. So I, I just haven't figured out exactly when or how, but that's what we're what we're working towards. So, uh, how about you? Is the overall pretty good? Yeah, I mean. Not much going on here. I got my um. Let's see. We last weekend. Yeah, last week was Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? So I guess we didn't actually talk about our Thanksgivings yet. I don't know. Yeah, I guess we didn't. Um, <laughs> it's hard to remember because I feel like you and I have been talking more outside of the cast over the past week mm-hmm. than usual. Um, but so my week was good. I got uh, I got my booster shot for COVID. Nice. So that was kind of exciting. Um, for anyone who's curious. I, you know, I did have side effects, but it was just, it was a little bit achy, nothing over the top. I was still a functional human being. So if anybody's just like, oh, I want to get it, but like, I haven't heard of anybody who's been okay afterwards. Now heard of at least one person who was okay. So yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been good. Uh, my wife and I got to spend a bunch of time together, just had a nice relaxing Thanksgiving together, cooked everything, which was fun. Never made a Thanksgiving meal, uh, got up early like started with cinnamon buns and then for breakfast obviously and then i like started making a pie and then i made like stuffing i made cranberry sauce from scratch for the first time i uh, did a duck instead of turkey okay. some creamed corn it was made pierogies instead of mashed potatoes it's a good day nice good food is your okay I, your wife is vegan right so she doesn't eat she doesn't eat duck then right she didn't eat the duck but everything else was vegan friendly okay cool yeah, I was like, I was like, do, do, can vegan eat, eat duck? Is that like the one exception? Do they not know that? <laughs> um, yeah, okay, that's cool. That's a yeah, that's really cool. And I always like those small Thanksgivings. Like my, we always do it with my my brother, my sister in law, uh, my mom, uh, my my mom and my dad. So just the six of us. Now we've got Raleigh there too. Um, so we're up to seven, but. Uh, I, I always think having like a nice small intimate meal is always just like a really nice way to spend that kind of holiday. Once again, I think it's a really good. This is just family, just hanging out, and you know, I guess regardless of what what the family is, I think it's always a, a really good opportunity just to you know take it easy. Yeah. So how was your Thanksgiving? How was baby's first Thanksgiving? She it was good. Yeah, and like this is like the the first one. I guess it's it's her second one, right? But it's the first one she really like remembers and got to do something with. So. Yeah, that's fair. She, I guess she was alive last year. <laughs> yeah, uh, but so she, but she enjoyed it. She had a good time. She actually ate a lot more stuff than I expected her to. She's kind of picky when it comes to uh, meat. She doesn't eat meat a lot, so she but she had a little bit of the turkey. She liked that. Um, enjoyed. She didn't have any collard greens, which doesn't surprise me. But she really did like the mac and cheese. She was a big fan of the sweet potatoes, so. It was a it was a good experience for her. She she had a fun time, uh, and we that was with my family. We saw Ariel's family. 
last week too. That was actually a lot of their first times meeting her. Um, Ariel's cousin, cousin and cousin-in-law. I don't, I don't, I know exactly what to call her, but had met her before. Same thing with one of her aunts, and obviously her, my, Ariel's parents had met her before. But like the other rest of the family had met her, so she she did a pretty good job. She's over a little overwhelmed at some points. So we had to take a take a cool walk outside, but she she really had a good time. Which is really nice. It's crazy how much your kid and I are sounding the same here. I also don't like collard greens. I also get overwhelmed when there's too many people. I also like to go for walks when I get overwhelmed, as you know from many magic tournaments together. Of course. Yeah, no, it was. It, it's one of those. I mean, it's good habits, right? Like that's especially for little kids that age. We're trying to. I one thing I know this this comes up for different people in different ways, but. I, we're trying to make sure that she's not, the people around her don't do the thing where like, oh, she's a little kid, so I'm gonna touch her on the head and I'm gonna like make her give me a hug. It's like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna set some boundaries here. So, um, having teaching her that there's boundaries that she, you know, she has to be set to boundaries, right? Where she can't just do whatever she wants. She has to, she has to do certain things, um, because it's good for everybody else. I think it's good, but also setting up where if, if people are bothering her it's like hey you gotta gotta give her some time hey she doesn't want to hug you hey she she you can't just grab her like that definitely i think made her experience a little bit better um and also made sure that she didn't have a a difficult time like there were there were two dogs there the one is very large the very i forget what kind of dog it is it's super cute um but it's a little too large and it's, it has a, a baby at home, but, like, the baby is young enough where it hasn't really act, interacted with the baby yet, um, outside of it, you know, crying and whatnot. So, the dog doesn't quite understand how to how to interact with babies that are mobile. So, like, the, the dog, like, knocked Raleigh over, like, three times. So, we had to, like, essentially remove Raleigh from the dog, even though she really loves dogs. It just wasn't safe for her. Um, and there was another dog there that has been around people, obviously, a lot. Um, but it never had been around kids, like babies. So we had to remove Raleigh from that dog, even though the dog was willing to let Raleigh come to her. It was just it would it would snap at her ever after like two minutes, um, and that's obviously not a good situation. So, um, but I mean, once again, she got, she got through an entire you know multi hour long meal without getting bit by a dog. Um, without getting trampled by any human beings and getting or falling down any stairs, like I'm gonna call that a success. Seems like a low bar for success, but if you're happy, I'm happy. Well, how about we talk about magic? Because I feel like we haven't gotten to talk about magic, you know, at least overrated. The... <sighs> overrated. Uh... This is now League of Legends podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the League of Legends podcast with your host. Um, no, I, I still haven't played League or any games like that. I know the. What's that show? Uh, Arcane has come out, and people are like all hype about you know all these different games, and like I know I've seen Valorant popping up on my Twitter feed all the time, but like I haven't played any games besides Magic in a very very long time. Even RuneScape, I haven't played in a long time. So I will say um, I haven't watched Arcane yet, but from what I've heard, you don't actually need to know anything about League to enjoy the show. Okay, it's just a good show. Apparently, I will get around to watching it eventually, but I'm always super behind. Yeah, I- and. So I, I used to love League. I haven't, like, I, I played a little bit last year, but I really have not played much since, well, for years now. I think we talked about this on the show before. I definitely had, like, a problem where I was playing way too much. Yeah. 
So, I guess a little too less, or not enough is probably better than too much, I think, in most situations here. Yeah, every now and again I think about playing too, and I'm just like, the games take so long. And then I go play like two matches of Moto, I'm like, this took just as long. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I guess the nice thing about those kind of things, at least for RuneScape at least, is that you can jump in and just jump out, but like, I constantly get this thing where I jump in, I'm like, what has happened? Like, what am I doing here? And I'm like, like I played the one time and I was like in, um, if, if you've never played RuneScape, this is going to sound like complete nonsense, but bear with me for a second. Um, I was in the Elven City making glass vials for my potion so I could um, make put them into six counts instead of four counts so I could go battle, um, go into the... <laughs> go to a portal so I could um, speed run fighting demons. And I was like, yeah, this is a good idea. But like when I came back into it after months, I was like, what the hell am I doing? What are the, what are these materials? What am I doing? Like had a inventory half full of one thing, but the rest full of another thing. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And it took me like a good, like 10 minutes to actually figure out what I was doing. Um, apparently I was almost done. So like it took me a long time to figure out exactly what I was doing in that moment. And I'm like, Oh, Okay. I don't want to do this. And I just like <laughs> locked out um, after like not playing for like four months. So yeah, I, I need to, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll pick up RuneScape hopefully in the next, in the next month. Maybe that's a Christmas break thing for me, but who knows? If you have all that free time, that's something you could do. I know. Yeah. I, like, or you could, or you could start League of Legends <laughs> and then I could get back into it. And then we could have a problem together. I was going to say I was going to stream or something like that. I think streaming would be more productive towards towards my goals but i could i could also do that i could also try playing leagues yeah that goes i'm not good at games like that though i don't i don't think i don't i haven't played them in a very very long time that's fine i'm not good either it doesn't it doesn't even matter if you're good or not the community is super toxic so everyone will tell you you're trash <laughs> either way okay <laughs> Uh, well, okay, Let, enough about League of Legends, enough about RuneScape. Uh, how about your Magic playing over the past couple days? How's that been? So, uh, you know, last week, you tried to prove what a big man you were by winning Eternal Weekend. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can't just, like, let Billy upstage me, especially not after, like, losing by winning in for that PD2. Like, I, I need to do better this week. I need to need to show that I'm bringing something to the cast. Naturally. So, so um, Sunday morning, got up nice and early to play in a leg CPTQ. Cool. And I uh, lost my winning in. <sighs> so that happened. Uh, but I won the, let me try that again. I won Monday Night Modern. So like, okay. I just want you to know, I'm still bringing something. Yeah, you're a champion. Someone's eyes. That's good. Proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. I was proud of me too. Uh, what'd you play? Uh, in Modern or Legacy? In I guess in both, really. So in Legacy, I went back to Green White Depths. Okay. I thought to myself, you know, after talking about like all the stats and looking at the numbers, like Green White was just kind of the best performing deck mm. at Eternal Weekend. Like, you know, it didn't have the most top eights, but just like depending on what numbers you were looking at, you could definitely make the case that it was the best deck. And if it's going to perform super well, and it's the deck that I'm probably best at playing in the format, it just stands to reason it's what I should play. Right? And, you know, it went fairly well. Um, 
I got paired against Doomsday in round two, so I took a loss there, which was like super unfortunate. Um, but it, I mean, it went pretty well. So, uh, other than that, round one I played against Merfolk, which was bizarre. Oh wow! I don't see that very much. No. It was um, I don't know how to say the name Tulio Chowdy. I think oh, yeah, Tulio Chowdy. Yeah. Um, who just came in second place in the modern PTQ playing Merfolk. Um, so I guess they were running it back and so I played them round one, which was like, and I, I lost game one, like very easily. And I was just like, don't, don't tell me I woke up at three 30 to just like lose to Merfolk and be out of this event. Cause like a round one loss is basically, basically game over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but thankfully I won. Um, and then eventually, so my second loss ended up being to uh, like a bug control deck, basically, or a mid-range deck. And I'm, I actually played against this in the league like the day before too. And I don't, I don't know where this deck is coming from. I don't know if it put up results somewhere, but it was like a counterbalance, spell pierce, hymnatorak, days, wasteland deck, like tied together with like Witherbloom command. I, I don't, okay. I don't know what was happening. I just don't know how you can play him to Tarak and counterbalance in the same deck, but I did lose. So like, evidently there's a way it, it was just very frustrating though, because it's like, okay, like I'm going to like, they play counterbalance and I had the prismatic ending. So I just like slam the prismatic ending on you. I'm like, they don't have cantrip up. Like if they blind counter this, they blind counter it. And then they dazed it. And I was like, like, was I supposed to see that coming? Yeah. And, like I had fetched for a Savannah because like, or counterbalance deck, why does it matter? And then they wastelanded me, and I was like, oh my god, like game over. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it was just very unexpected. I, like, I really didn't know what I was supposed to be playing around, and I just kind of got manhandled in game one. Uh, game two, I won, and game three, I just like kind of flooded out. Also, in game one, uh, while I'm complaining about this deck, they blind countered every spell but one for oh, the rest God. of the game after after counterbalance results. And I don't even mean like casting cantrips and like predicting what I would do on my turn. Yeah. Like they would just be like, oh, here's a Tarmogoyf. Oh, your spell got countered. Here's a second Goyf. Your spell got countered. <laughs> oh, <my> gosh. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I don't know if we talked about this before. I don't like counterbalance, just like the design of it. Like that was one of the cards when playing in like standard even. Like I was just like, this is like not fun. Like... And this is, like, in the same era where people are, like, playing with, like, Stone Rain in their main decks. I'm like, yeah, that's not fun either, but this is worse somehow. Like, <laughs> the illusion of having the ability to play the game and, like, your opponent just gets, like, even if it's not every spell, like, one half of your spells just get randomly blind-countered and you don't even know which ones is, like, super annoying to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, um... I, I do think sometimes it leads to interesting gameplay. Like, when Top was legal, it wasn't very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still had interesting games against Miracles, but, like, yeah. the Counterbalance top engine, not particularly interesting. No. Um, I, I do think without that, it can be can lead to some number of fun games. Uh, but, like, when it's multiple blind flips that are actually hitting, it does get very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like, what I think is interesting is, like, if I have a Counterbalance and then I cast my Ponder, and then you're, like, guessing, okay what did he think I was going to do this turn? Did he leave two on top? Did he leave one on top? Like, I like I, I do think there is room for back and forth, but mm-hmm. when it falls apart, it falls apart very hard. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then I think the the era that Counterbalance was in before at least had some. I think there was more risk. I don't know. I don't know if this even makes sense, but like I think there was a higher risk of playing against Counterbalance because some decks really just don't care about the card. Whether it's because they have things like Abrupt Decay that don't just don't care about the fact they have an enchantment that counters everything, or maybe their strategy like lands something like that doesn't necessarily need to play cards, uh, cast spells in order to win the game. Um, I think now it's just like, and once again, I guess without top, maybe that's the reason why, but like, I feel like the format right now, like, is so weak to counterbalance if it, if you could only have a little bit of control over it, that just seems, I don't know, more problematic potentially, but I don't know. Yep. That was, um, that was interesting. But if seriously, if anybody listening knows like why I'm seeing this deck pop up all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. no, no, like not even like in a mean way. No, like, no, I yeah. Think the deck is flawed, but like not even because I think it's flawed. Like, I, like I'm pretty sure I played against roughly the same seven drives twice. Yeah. Uh, and like I, I haven't even seen Goyce popping up in like ages. I feel like so the fact that I ran into this twice in 24 hours, it's just. It, like, I feel like I had to put up a result somewhere, and I'm just very curious, so if anyone knows, I'd love to know. It's probably, like, a horror movie event. Probably. Yeah, I was actually talking about this in another, another group chat, not the one that, that we're both in, but another one we were talking about. Someone was asking me, like, you know, like, well, you know, this deck doesn't, this card doesn't even put up results. I'm like, no, it it does, actually. And they're like, okay, well, give me give me a deck list. And I was like, here's a deck list. And they're like, oh, that was quick. It's like, Yes. Like, we do a podcast every week that talks about Modern and Legacy. So if you say, hey, this Modern deck, is this card played in Modern or Legacy? I probably know about it. Um, so whenever there is a deck that pops up that we don't know, I'm always like, what backwater did this deck, like, <laughs> populate from? Like, how did I not see this before? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so speaking of decks we might not have seen, uh, and mentioning Haruya, mm-hmm. did you get a chance to look at the God of Modern results I, at all? I have not. That's... That's a whole rabbit hole to, to jump down, and I had, have not gotten the chance to look at it. Oh, my goodness. One, very mad at myself, because when I was trying to think of what we could talk about today, talking about God of Modern did not cross my mind. Two. There's always time. <laughs> I don't I don't know where the easiest place to find the results is, but, like, Pebbles combo came in 13th place. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to I need to get around to playing that back because I don't know I just want to cast some enduring renewals and kill some people with walking ballistas. Yeah, there's definitely um, some. This if, if you haven't seen the God of Modern event, I mean they have I think they have a God of Everything. Um, they they play these tournaments and I, I think it's I could be wrong too. I think it's bi yearly or it might be quarterly. Um, but. Yeah, okay. So, they end up having these events, and just historically, they always have the most wild deck lists, and they're, they're not, it's not like they're, like, way out of left field, right? These are actual, actual decks, but the Japanese events tend to have really interesting innovations that you wouldn't find in other events, right? And these are events, deck lists that, or tournaments, rather, that actually do have a really high level of um, skill. Like, the people in them are, are really... Uh, talented players so the deck list end up being these kind of even they look a little outlandish end up actually playing really really well and i think that's one of the things i was kind of appreciate about these these decks here 
Let's see if I can find that deck you were referencing. Here we go. 13th place, yeah. I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, it is something. I mean, like, you got a lot of sweet stuff. And If you haven't seen this combo before, um, the main thing you're doing is playing Enduring Renewal, uh, which allows you that if a creature goes to your graveyard, it goes back to your hand instead, and the idea of Enduring. Um, but you are playing creatures such as Stone Coil Serpent and Walking Ballista that you can cast for zero mana, um, and they just definitely go back to your hand. You just cast them again for zero mana. So um, you can search them up using things like Ranger Captain Vios, which is pretty neat, um, or like Ingenious Smith. But in this deck, you get to loop with Alter the Brood. So you just get to mill your opponent casting something like Walking Ballista over and over for zero. Conveniently, Alter the Brood costs one mana. It does. So you Which can... uh, means it gets searched up by Urza Saga. It does. Yeah, it's just all coming together. It's all coming together. And, like, what they play a lot of I, I really interesting things that are relatively cheap. Like, Enduring Renewal obviously does cost four mana to put into play. Like, that is the, your top end here, along with the Ranger Captain. Yeah, but then you win. But then you win, yeah. So who cares? Like, <laughs> and you, you get to protect it with Ranger Captain, mm-hmm. so that it will resolve. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty interesting deck. Um, you still have the out, you know, always just making huge constructs, because, like, you are playing... A high number of artifacts, and surprisingly, I mean, between the Citadels, the Stone Cold Serpents, Walking Ballista, uh, Portable Hole, which I think is actually pretty solid in this deck, Basilisk Collar, Springleaf Drum, Soul Guide Lantern, right? A lot of artifacts you can make pretty big constructs with your Urza Saga if you need to. Uh, but you can also just, like, down and dirty, just kill them with Lost of the Brood. Like, that's also an option. Milling, you know, three or four games if the game goes super long, three or four cards a turn really does add up, especially when you start looking at things like, uh, you know, Thraben Inspector, for example, that's able to uh, make two permits when it comes into play, Engineer Smith grabbing two cards, Ranger Captain of Eos grabbing two cards. Like, you can definitely end some games a lot faster than people would think. Um, also, this is, like, the first time I've seen Idyllic Tutor in a, in a deck, like... Try, I mean, obviously, it, it is kind of unfair, right? What it's trying to do, but like, I don't, I think it's the first time I've seen Idyllic Tutor actually being played in a deck like this. I've seen Idyllic Tutor in decks before, but it's always been pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that says about this. Like, it, it's kind of awkward because you really do need to find Enduring Renewal. Mm-hmm. And like, you're in white, so you don't have good ways to find it. So, like, Idyllic Tutor probably is correct, mm-hmm. but it's just such a weak card. Like, three mana to search something up in a format where people are playing Lulores is, is like, yeah. not great. <laughs> no. I mean, the one thing I, I'm actually kind of surprised about is the fact that they are playing one Heliod Sun um, Suncrown. I just assume they're, if they're going to play Ballistas in the deck, you might as well just play some number of Heliod. And especially if you're playing Idyllic Tutor anyways, you might as well just play it as a one-of, uh, be able to tutor up if that comes up. So I feel like I would actually just play the Heliods in place of Idyllic Tutors, right? Because, like... If you're finding Enduring Renewal, your plan is probably, you know, to kill them with... Well, I mean, your your plan is to kill them, so you likely already have Walking Ballista anyways. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess it could just be that you have Stone Coil Serpent. Mm -hmm. Like, if you already have the Walking Ballista and you're going to spend three mana on a spell, like, I would just get Heliod. It's going to be the same kind of end result. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, could it be a split? Like, could I I do two Idyllic Tutors and two... Heliods and something like that. Like I don't know. the The numbers always the numbers here are confusing to me. I like I, I feel like it should 
maybe three idyllic tutors, one Helion. I think there should be at least one Helion in the main for for sure. But I don't. Maybe this is the perfect deck, and I just I don't get it yet. It could be. Yeah. I don't know if my cultivator colossuses don't show up this week. Maybe I'll play this in modern. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and definitely that. If you haven't checked this out, I'll put this in the show notes too. I I always like watching these decks because once again, there's always just so much stuff. You're like, this is. I never thought about this. So. Yeah, something I think is interesting is just how different the metagame is over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, this is less a strategic thing, but uh, the auto translations on Google are also just kind of funny for some of them. Yeah, so, yeah some of them are interesting. So mm-hmm. when I looked at it, I think I got there a different way than you did. Mm-hmm. I might have just been looking at the Japanese page literally translated to English. I think you're actually on the English website. Yeah, I think right? so. I was seeing the, the ones I was looking at were like pretty weird names. My favorite was it translated Ragavan differently. So like it was Ragavan in one place and then Ragavan at another place and like <laughs> Ragas base band in another. It was oh, like, man. okay, <laughs> how many different ways can we translate this? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, but there's definitely, if you're interested in modern, uh, definitely some things to look at here. I, and once again, like, seeing kind of what they're doing here, I think at least perspective, like, and that's one of the big things with deck building that I think we don't get because we, uh, obviously, I mean, like, I'm not going to, I, I, once again, literally just won a major tournament by copying someone else's deck list, right? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak illy, illy of it. But um, there's a lot of, Think where you're copying deck lists and just like being like, no, this looks good enough, and not changing any cards. So I, I think it's always good to look at what other people are doing and see kind of what changes they would make and see if that's something you might want to work with. Uh, so, anyways, this was like the longest handbook ever, um, <laughs> which is totally my fault. So uh, I would apologize, but like that deck is sweet, so I'm not actually sorry. Yeah. Um, but you. <laughs> We're talking about uh, what I played. You asked about legacy and modern. Mm-hmm. So what I played in modern yesterday was um, the Indomitable Creativity Titan decks. Okay. Or just Creative Titan is what I've been calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so still think that deck is really good. I mean, it's a local, so yeah. it doesn't, doesn't mean necessarily the most. Uh, notably, at 3-0, um, going into the last round, I got paired against... The other, like the more stock version of creativity, mm-hmm. so that was kind of fun having a the creativity mirror. Oh, okay. I mean, that's just I don't want to say like that's like kind of play draw dependent, but like you guys don't have much counterplay, right? Uh, so in the main deck of the stock build, there are three remands. Okay. Um, and then I don't have remands main um, or at all, but. I, do you have Fluster Storms and Aether Gust? I don't know. I don't remember offhand what additional counter magic they have. Okay. I I don't have much experience in the matchup. I in my head they should be favored. Notably, I took it two L. Um, they actually resolved creativity in game one, and put in uh, a, a mirror. What is it called the? The angel that gives pro from whatever. Oh, uh, uh, Theris Emissary. Yeah, that one. Hmm. I wanted to say Amiria for whatever reason. Yeah. Amiria Shepherd is a different card. It is. Um, That's good. But they put that in Emrakul and, and they named 
plans to not die to the Alakite. So I played a Teferi and bounced the Emrakul. And then the next turn, I played a second Teferi and bounced Jeez. the Angel. And then was able to win from there. And then in game two, um, they actually kind of flooded out really bad. And they resolved an Alpine Moon on Valakite and huh. had Planeswalkers going. But I was able to uh, Acer Gust the Alp. <laughs> it was actually sick. I played my Valakite untapped because of the Alpine Moon and then Acer Gusted it and then resolved her creativity. Uh, my Titan, like, dealt with some of their permanents. And then obviously they were able to replay the Alpine Moon, but I was just like, okay, and just have a 6 6. Yeah. Like, Too late now. That's really nice. Yeah, I mean, the deck's still really good. Um, I do think. Um, Amulet is also just well positioned now, so mm. I feel a little silly since they just bought these red and sixes. But I am having, <laughs> but I am having a lot of fun playing this deck, so yeah. it's cool. Cool. Well, you laugh, but like I only bought them because Amulet was in such a bad position. And yeah. I was like, well, I need something else to do, and then lo and behold, we get new cards printed every two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Amulet finally got a new toy that was actually good. Yeah. I mean, like, I still, I still think the Red of Six is a good pickup. Like, I think, like, John Saga, for example, I played that in a league last week. And, you know, deck's still serviceable. I think it's a really solid choice in the metagame right now. So, I, only... I mean, uh, we were talking about this yesterday. We were saying Red of Six is likely the best card in Modern. Um, so, it d- definitely doesn't hurt to have. Yeah. But, you know, they're also expensive. They are. That is very true. Having money is also nice. I I would agree, though. So. Yeah, I I mean, arguably, I would I rather have money than you know some weird material good. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like where this conversation. <laughs> is um. Well, how about we segue away to uh, vintage? <laughs> I was playing vintage this last week too. Yeah. Uh, tell me. Tell me all about vintage. I know very little. So the format in my mind is and I, I if you are a big vintage fan do not take this personally uh, but i mean it with all my heart uh vintage is basically legacy cube where like there is a little bit of consistency like you would see in a, in a legacy deck but you the deck the cards that really win you the games are the one-ups right the restricted cards so whether that is something like Tinker, or that's something like Ancestral Recall, or Time Walk, or the Moxin, right? Like, the games look entirely different when you get to play these one-ofs as compared to your four-ofs. There are, and there are some four-ofs that are really powerful. Like, I was actually playing a literally just blue-red Delver, right? But Ragavan is notably in that deck and in very good and vintage because there's so much, homo- like, homogeny between different decks. Everyone's, you know, playing... You're essentially playing blue cards or you're not playing blue cards. Um, so, like, you could be playing a deck with blue cards or you're playing something that is playing um, Thalia or Golgari Grave Troll or you're playing against something that has um, Arcbound Ravager or Trinity or like, but for the most part, you're if you're playing against something that's playing like Deathrite Shaman, you're playing against something that is playing Time Walk. If you're playing against something that is playing um, Paradoxical Outcome, which is not restricted, which is awesome, um, you're playing against something that is also playing, um, you know, Ancestral Recall or, you know, Mental Misstep or something like that. So there's a lot of th- times where you hit with Ragavan and you're just like, oh, here's a free time walk. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I got to, I, I had one game where I, 
attack with Ragavan, hit Ancestral Recall, got to draw three cards. Um, I hit the second time, and they had Time Walk, so I cast Time Walk, and they Force of Willed it, which is still insane value for me. Um, and then the third time, I hit Force of Will, so then I just resolved my own, my own um, Ancestral Recall that I had drawn, which drew me into a Time Walk. And I was like, yeah, that seems good. Um, I won that game. Um, but it, it definitely takes, it's a different skill set, uh, just because there are so many cards that just by themselves will win the match. Uh, I lost a match where my opponent was, had no cards, their hand, or the battlefield rather, was two lands, um, a Moxin and a Mana Crypt. And I was like, okay, well, assuming they don't draw, like, you know, recall into Tinker, I should be fine here. And then they just drew a Tinker. I was like, oh, I'm just dead. Okay, never mind. They don't even need the recall. Um, they tinkered into Sphinx of the Steel Wind, which was a 6-6 with Vigilance and Pearl Red, so I couldn't attack with any of my creatures on the battlefield. Um, my dragon was only a 6-6, so I couldn't get through there. And then they just they just won the game over like two more turns like that. They attacked and gained enough life where they could uh, eventually tinker into. Or not tinker. Um, they could eventually actually just cast their bolus of citadel and they just cast like fifteen spells off that. Um, and they paradoxicaled from that there and killed me. I was just like I was winning this game up until two seconds ago, and this game just got wildly out of control. My, I'm in kind of in a legacy mindset in terms of, you know, what's going to happen. And I didn't adapt well to what happens in Vintage. And once again, these kind of haymaker spells that really do take over a game by themselves, that you need to, be, need to be prepared for. So I think when I was playing some of the spells, like, my lines were in the intention that, like, they can't grind their way back from this spot. Like, there's no way they can out-card advantage me, um, that they'll be able to come back from this spot and win in the next three turns. But, like, that's not what Vintage is about, necessarily. Um, there are really some games that are decided on turn zero, um, you need, and you need to have the counter magic for it. And I actually had a game, too, and this was... I played two of the Eternal Weekend challenges um, in my second event. It might have been my first event. I'm not sure, but it's definitely round one. Um, they literally just had... I had turn one, Pyroblast... And Force of Will. And I was like, yeah, I'll play Dragovin on turn one. What's the worst that could happen? Um, and they Lotused, went Lotus, Land, Mox, Tinker, with Flusterstorm back up. And I was like, oh, I'm just not beating this. Um, and they turned one, both a Citadel, cast 15 spells, and I lost. Um, <laughs> and like, once again, that's just that's just what can happen in Vintage. So it was definitely a really interesting playing experience. Um, I, I played Vintage a couple of times, but I've only played Dredge. Um, and this was in paper. So being able to play a deck, I think that's a little more my speed. Like I, I did get to play a couple leagues with the blue-red deck. I went 9 and... No, I, I went 11 and 4 in 3 leagues, which is pretty solid. I'm pretty happy with that. I got my a trophy with uh, the blue-red deck, which is sweet. Um... But being able to actually play with really powerful cards was really neat. Because once again, I when's the last time you know you cast a time walk outside of cube? 
So I had a lot of fun doing that, but it was, oh my gosh, what an experience. Um, it's, it's also really fun too, because I, I feel like, especially because we talk about Modern Legacy so much, um, and we obviously played a decent amount of the two formats. I'm normally a very experienced player. I'm very confident when I'm when I'm playing these events. Um, playing Vintage for the first time against you know really good people, um, I, I did run across some some well known names while I was you know doing the leagues and playing in the um, Eternal Weekend events. Uh, definitely was a very humbling experience. <laughs> definitely interesting being a, the new player in the room. Um, definitely a new experience for me, one I haven't felt in a while at least. I'm glad you had a good time. It's uh, funny because you described what makes me not like vintage. And then you're like, yeah, it's fun. And I'm just like, okay, man, good for you. Uh, but the, the kind of Sweeney nature that you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of people who are like, I don't want to play vintage. I die on turn one. And my, my concern isn't even that. It's just like mm -hmm. you play these games and like, I feel like I'm having a good time. And then they just draw recall and it resolves. And then they like uh, Mystic Sanctuary recall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I saw happen to you. And then and then <laughs> the game just kind of ends. I just yeah. hate. Um, I just kind of hate how it feels like almost random cards just kind of define everything. Like because mm -hmm. it's so hard to be like, oh, I'm gonna play play around your one of, but like yeah. they're so swingy and powerful. And it, to me, that's just like it's weird to say that's not fun for me because I do enjoy cube. But I think the difference is going into cube, you're like, okay, I'm here to do like big silly things and yeah. like it's very casual. But like going into vintage, it's like I'm still here to do big and silly things, but it's very competitive and serious. And I just I can't do both of those things at the same time for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, I just have, it's it's hard for me too. And this we've I've talked about this a couple times. I really like the idea of cube. And, like, I like hanging out with friends and, like, ah, let's see who can cast the biggest. Yeah, he doesn't. I, I just, like, can't do it. No, I just, like, in, in practice, it just doesn't happen because I'm just, like, this is so frustrating. Like, of course, of course they have turn one, you know, both of Citadel and they're going to draw their whole deck. It's like, oh, or of course they have, you know, turn two Rafelos into turn three, kill you with Crater Hoof Behemoth. Like, that's of course what they do. And, like... In, in this format, at least I can try to enjoy myself. I'm not. I'm not as upset. Like I know this is the nature of it. It's just a. It's basically legacy with really weird, obvious people on steroids. <laughs> See, I feel like that doesn't even happen that much in cube, right? Because like part of the nature of cube is most people don't end up with power in their deck, or they end up with one piece. Whereas in vintage, everybody is just like strolling up, like I've got. Yeah. got seven pieces of power in my deck so like i'm probably gonna draw them and they're probably gonna be impactful or like mm -hmm. i only have two pieces but i have tinker and demonic tutor <laughs> and vamp tutor <laughs> yeah the the one game i played the, the person literally just went like what was it um turn one mox 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 opal soul ring paradoxical pick everything up mox 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 crypt Soul Ring, um, Telerian Academy, tap, put um, Paradoxical again, put everything back into play, um, Time Vault, uh, Voltaic Key, and I was like, okay, well that's cool. Like, like I just did nothing. Like I, my hand was like fine, not great, but I had a Pyroblast or something like that. I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I just untap. 
a hold up Pyroblast, and then we'll see what happens. And they're like, nah, you're dead on turn one, bro. It's like, ah. Okay, it's fine. Um, and like, but really, what, like, what are the odds of that actually happening, right? It, it's slim. And like, they are slim. But uh, it's a good again, story, though. It's not the turn one kills that steer me away from the format. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, they they do happen, and I, I don't love it when they happen. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's really like the explosive out of nowhere turns later. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just not for me. Yeah. Um, I do like it's weird because I, I kind of like looking at vintage checklists, and sometimes I think about playing it. I'm like, maybe I'll have fun, and then I'm just like, no, I won't. Yeah. You know, every, every so often, I'll play a league or two. But yeah. I, I don't know. I, I do actually like the looks of some of like the Tinker and uh, PO Urza Saga piles, mm-hmm. uh, like the Grixis list that um, Alex McKinley won with. Yeah, yeah. Like, I could definitely see myself playing that, um, but. You know, a couple of months ago, the trophy leader for Vintage was playing like a green white, like Turbo Depth deck. I played a couple leagues with that. Um, I'm always kind of sad when like the lands decks disappear, but like that, that's really just what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, that seems cool. Like there was, yeah, the Grixis like Breach kind of deck seems really neat. Um, I did see somebody playing with Lalia, I think is the name of it. The uh, red and two for a two-two with haste that like you exile a top card because of one-one counter you can cast it. Th- or you can play that spell that turn. Like that was really cool. I did get like manhandled by that card though because they were doing that. I got to attack my Ragazan. I exiled their top card with a land and they're like, "Yep, my creature's bigger." I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> Why is your creature bigger?" <laughs> um, yeah. So definitely a cool card and like that. A lot of times I was like getting raced by and I just didn't realize how kind of quickly that adds up, especially when you start adding things like, you know, treasure cruise and dig through time. Like that card definitely picks up steam very, very quickly. So that was kind I'm of... still kind of disappointed that card never made an impact in legacy. I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the cast a while ago. You like did. Playing that with like relic of progenitus and blue red mirrors to kind of keep your opponent off of casting Merktide region also grows your creature. Like, mm-hmm. Seems like it could be strong. Could be strong. Yeah, I mean, it's a good source of card advantage. Um, it definitely is a is a good closer. Like, it, it's especially when you get out of the range of lightning bolt. I mean, in in standard, not standard in um, legacy. That is, I think it's a little a little better. I think in vintage, really, really, you just need to get past, you know, lightning bolt. But there's only like a lot of lists only play like one lightning bolt pre board, three post board. Um, I didn't see. I saw a couple decks that played like Unholy Heat, but like that's not usually on the tag. Um, something like that too. Also, there's like not a lot of Delirium there. That's the other thing I kind of realized. Like, there's obviously some lands that go to the graveyard, um, some sorcery, some instants, but like, there's not a lot of creatures to actually hit Delirium with. So like, they they will go there eventually, but especially in the decks that play them, like a lot of them do get exiled. Like I was playing Murktide Regent, which was such a beating. People cannot beat a six six dragon. Um, <laughs> in vintage, um, but like you're exiling for Murktide region, or you're exiling for Treasure Cruise, or Dig Through Time. Like, there's a lot of situations where your graveyard is just going to be minimal at, at best. So, um, it's it really was hard to keep Delirium. Not that I needed to for any reason, but um, I was I was trying to focus on keeping my uh, instant sorcery count high for Murktide. But, um. 
Yeah, no, people, I saw some people cast Unholy Heat for, for two, and I was like, that's awkward. That's probably not what you wanted there. I will say, as time goes on, I feel less and less impressed with Unholy Heat. And mm-hmm. I, I know Vintage is a different format, so it's going to have its own set of issues there. But just in general, I feel like as time goes on, less and less impressed. Yeah, it's not... I mean, like, so comparing it to... Uh, I can't remember. The, I literally forget the name of this card all the time. Um, the six mana delve red spell that deals, I think it deals like five damage. Um, I think it's from the first Mount Horizon set. I know, yeah, I, I can't help you here. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. Nope. Really? Really. Huh. Okay. No, I, it sounds familiar. Yeah, it, it's one of the cards. So this, I think we talked about this before. There was a, a tournament we went to, and I wrote the wrong name on the deck list because we had it confused with a another card that has a similar name that does not a similar effect. Um, but I can't think of what the card is. It, it doesn't matter. It's a it's a delve spell. It deals a bunch of damage uh, to creatures. Uh, I think or planeswalkers. I think too. Um, but that was one of the cards too. That like at least it. Regardless of what it does, it always deals X amount of damage, right? So it's consistent. The, the issue with that I always find with Unholy Heat is, like, it could deal 6, but it, it might deal 2. And, like, I was playing the Jeskai, not Jeskai, um, Jund Saga deck in Modern, and, like, the Unholy Heat, I was like, man, is this, I, I deal 6 here, and I just, like, knock this problem uh, problematic planeswalker off the battlefield. I think it was, like, a uh, an Ugin, or, like, it might have been a... Oh, no, it was a Karn Liberated. So I ended up losing this match anyways, but partially because of this. But, like, if I have Delirium, I can kill this Karn, and then I can uptick my my Renin 6. But I don't have Delirium, so I'm going to have to... <laughs> I'm going to have to deal this and then downtick my Renin 6. And, like, minor difference, right? But, like, I really need cards here, because I'm getting all my stuff exiled here. I, I really can't afford to be losing um, one activation of my random six and doesn't make a difference maybe maybe not but you know me being able to hopefully draw another card off of um like nurturing peatland it, it thinks it's going to be important in this game and like i can't because i need to not die to, to karn here so um that's just one of the many things in my mind that happens when you're playing with a, a card that is high upside but also you know very low low floor um and when you're playing with something like on um unholy heat not, not a big fan. Magmatic Sinkhole. Magmatic Sinkhole. That is definitely the card. Thank you. I feel bad whenever we can't come up with card names because I know when I listen to Magic Podcasts and people can't come up with a card name, I'm just like, they're like yelling at them like, come on, it's so obvious. How do you not? So yeah, I want to make sure that we actually say it. That's good. And also, you know, in case somebody's listening and they were in the same situation, I don't want them just stuck on it forever. Yeah, that's true. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I played a lot of that card. Yeah, it's embarrassing that neither of us could come up with. I know it's it was it's a good card. I mean, like I still stand by it. Like I think maybe not in this current iteration, but like you know, actually no, in this current iteration, it's probably still fine, right? It delves cards to uh, Merktide region, and you can. Well, I don't think you want to play it alongside Merktide region though, because that's no. a lot of delving. It's a lot of delving, yeah. Especially now when you have Dragon's Reach channeling too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot going on. So, yeah, but maybe if they, 
I don't know, in some weird universe where they they ban Merktide Regent, uh, ban Merktide Regent, or, um, what's it called, or Darthy, or maybe they, you know, keep those cards, but they actually get rid of Merktide, and you don't need Delirium anymore. I don't, I don't know, some weird alternate universe. Yeah, I mean, they're going to do something soon, so mm-hmm. I'm very curious. I know a lot of people are, like, very mad uh, on, <laughs> on Monday when we didn't get the ban, mm-hmm. but I really think it's going to come next Monday, and I feel like, you know, it's something people have been saying forever, but, like, people were waiting for it, and I was like, I can't imagine they'll do it. They'll wait until after Eternal Weekend and then do it before a showcase challenge, though. Yeah. Like, they're definitely going to wait until after the showcase challenge. Regardless of if I personally think that's a good or bad idea. Yeah, I mean, I think, plus, like, if you were going to, I don't, I, based on my experience, I, I really hate Mental Misstep in Vintage, but, like, I don't know, I don't have enough of an opinion on that format to know if they are considering bans or if there's anything that could really play in the format, so I feel like if there was something in Vintage that you were concerned about, like, I think you just, you know, wait till that's over, have it scheduled a meeting for, you know, Tuesday or whatever of, you know, this week, maybe today, they're sitting in their offices and they're going to have their meeting about, you know, is there anything we want to ban in Legacy or Vintage? But, like, I think you need to give it some time to settle. So maybe you're right. I think maybe they talk about it this week. They give people last hurrah on Saturday or Sunday. Um, and then on Monday, next Monday, they finally give us a verdict. But, yeah, I think I think today would have been too soon. Or yesterday, I guess. Well, like... I haven't really heard any complaints from the vintage community mm. so assuming vintage is fine i don't think it would have been too soon but like whatever like <laughs> i don't know it doesn't matter to me too much again i have been enjoying the format um, yeah, same. i know that's like a controversial take uh, but i've been having fun so it, it doesn't matter to me i i just want to see people be happy though so like i would like something to change on the plus side, I know a non-zero number of people have been like, I'm not playing in the Showcase Challenge this weekend uh, because they don't want to play in this format. So, like, I'll take a smaller field. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, it, and once again, it's not for everybody, and I, I understand that too, but, like, I also, I like to enjoy myself when I play Magic, but I also, like, enjoy winning, and I can do that with Blue-Red. So, I'll just, I'll just play Blue-Red until they... Don't let me play blue red anymore, which you know maybe sooner than later, but eh, it's fine. So uh, obviously, I just mentioned the showcase challenge. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I talk about uh, my concern on if I am actually going to play this event or not? Oh yeah, yeah, please do. So, <laughs> so you know, for people who don't play a lot of Moto, um, Moto has like different forms of currency and. For certain events, uh, the way you enter them is with something called QPs. And the way you get QPs is uh, if you go like 3 2 in a league, you get one QP. If you go 4 1, you get four. If you go 5, I don't remember how many you get. Um, and then you get them for like top eighting a challenge. Mm-hmm. Nothing below that, which is like very frustrating, actually. Yeah. Or playing prelims. Um, I have this issue where the prelims are not at a good time for no just like none of them because <laughs> they're monday through friday and like uh the first one the first one that starts after i get home is six but like i get home at like five fifty. so if i want to make dinner for myself i can't like do that and play the prelim and then the next prelim is at like 10 which is i'm in bed yeah i'm an old man 
Um, so like prelims are really rough for me unless I have the day off. And I, I used 40 QPs to enter um, the modern um, PTQ. The modern PTQ two weeks ago, and then I used 40 QPs this week to play the legacy PTQ. And so uh, the week started and I had like 10 QPs left. I was like, okay, well, I want to do something. So I did something I can't believe I'm about to admit that I did this, but I started playing Reanimator because I was like, I'm going to play something fast that's supposedly capable of winning. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I, I punted away uh, my. The, the first league I was playing for the trophy and I punted it away. Um, so maybe the deck's better than I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I draw a lot of really bad hands. Um, and like, it, it's so polarizing because like, I'm just clowning some people and this like, I'm like antagonizing over some of these decisions and it's just like, doesn't matter. <laughs> like <laughs> all of them end up with my opponent being dead. Um, but then there's other games where it's just like, I have this thing, and my opponent's like, cast endurance. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, game over. Just put all my resources into that. <laughs> I haven't been surgical yet, but I'm waiting for that horrible feeling. Um, I, I, it's like you feel super powerful, and then you just like lose real hard, real hard. But so I'm doing that just to get QPs fast. I also uh, play the league with rainbow depths even though I was like, I don't think this deck's well positioned at all, but fast QPs snagged a nice trophy with that. So that was fun and efficient. Okay. I finished, finished that league in less than an hour. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah. So I'm just like, not sure if I'm going to get there. So I had, I had the day off work today um, and I was like, okay, there's a 7 a.m. like modern PTQ. Or six a.m. And it's like I'll play that. I need okay. to go three one. Okay. So naturally, I only went two two. Naturally, um, yeah. Yeah, I played amulet. I lost the amulet mirror, which was like very frustrating because game one, my I, I have a really good hand. I'm just like, oh, I can kill my opponent on turn two, and my opponent just goes. Uh, my opponent's on the plane. They go turn two, Karn play liquid metal coating go gosh okay so i actually found a line to go off that turn through the karn Mm -hmm. um like i couldn't completely win like the issue the issue uh in case it's not clear is if i try to play my titan and get boros garrison and slayer stronghold they can just liquid metal coating the slayer stronghold and then I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then I will I will have had to play a summoner's pack. So like I'm liable to just lose to my green mana. And also if they have a Titan in hand, I'm just very dead. So that was uh that was interesting. And I, I felt really smart after winning game one. And then just like games two and three, I just like mulligan into oblivion and did not get there. And then yeah, so that was just really frustrating to only go two two, and I was like, okay, whatever. There's a pioneer pe- or pioneer prelim. I was like, I really don't feel like playing a blue red deck. I really just don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm just not in the mood. So I played um, played like the Jun sacrifice deck. Oh, I like that deck with a uh, Corvold. Yeah. Yeah. If you play 
uh, Pioneer. Just play a blue red deck. Don't, <laughs> don't do anything else. Yeah. Like, but when I play the blue red decks, I win all my matches. And then when I don't play the blue red deck, I lose all my matches. Yeah. And like, I think there's a correlation there. Yeah. The I I could be wrong too. I just I feel like the the Phoenix deck in in Pioneer is just so much better than everything else in the format. Like, if you're just wrong not playing it. So people have um, people have moved on from Phoenix. Now they just play blue red, basically control the full breaker horror. God. Okay, that's cool. Which is miserable. It's like the same thing they're doing in standard right now too. It's just like yeah. not fun in either format, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, and also the deck list just look bizarre. So like, we'll take one of this burn spell and two of this burn spell and one of this burn spell and two of this draw spell and three of this draw spell that looks worse than that draw spell, but is actually better for this scientific reason. Yeah. Just like, I don't understand what's going on. Mm. I don't know. Everybody else is just saying they're copying Kane Reinhardt's deck list. So like, I'm just going to do that and hope it works out. <laughs> and Kane, we trust the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So that was miserable. And I was like, okay. Well, there's a limited prelim at noon. I, I've been enjoying this limited format. Like, we'll play that. And then it's 12.05. There's four people signed up. Man. And it's 12.10, and there's six people signed up. Okay. And it's 12.15, and there's four people signed oh, up. No, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I still need to come up with 10 QPs before this weekend. That's reasonable, though. I mean, that's like two leagues, like two, two trophies. Uh, but the issue is, like, when am I supposed to do this? Just tonight? I don't know, man. Oh, well, I'm definitely not doing it tonight. <laughs> I mean, we're going to finish this episode in like 30 minutes. you got plenty of time. Mm, I I don't know. I need to go eat. Yeah. I want to spend some time with my wife. Yeah, that's fair. Like, uh, it's it's funny. I, I spend so much time playing Arena at work. Only I could play Moto on my phone. <sighs> have no issue. That would be so sweet. No issue. Also, I wouldn't ever have to worry about roping out. No, that's true. Yeah, you just let your clock dwindle down. Yeah, that big. happens. <laughs> uh, all right, let's. There's a couple of things I want to talk about before we get out of here. I know we're already like an hour into this episode. Crazy, because we have not talked about anything. Anything significant? Just <laughs> talking about our our days, <laughs> talking about magic, which is good. I mean, like it. Not everything has to be a big, big hoopla. We're just just talking about things that happened. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm sure you have seen this actually, but there was a team event in the the Windy City, Chicago. I don't know if people say it like that, but that's how I'm gonna say it. They don't. They don't really. Man, I really no. Don't. You should probably edit that out. Chicago. That's not how. Yeah, I would definitely edit that one out. I want to keep that. And one yet, out. I know you're gonna leave this all in. I'll leave it all in. Um, <laughs> so it was a team event, but it was limited modern legacy, which is interesting. Um, I believe it was. You know, field deck for day one and day two, and they they draft the top eight. Um, interesting. Do you any thoughts on that structure, limited modern legacy? I think it's a shame that we couldn't have participated in this because every time we do a team event, I feel very well versed in modern legacy, and I'm just like, I'm going to learn standard this time, mm-hmm. and then I don't. Mm-hmm. And this would have been the one time where I was actually like, okay. I, I know all three formats. Yeah. Um, I actually think this format is great. Um, I think there is an issue where a lot of people, like a lot of legacy players don't know standard players. Obviously that's not a universal thing, but like I do know a lot of people, like when team events are coming up, they're like, Hey, like 
you know, my friend kind of plays modern, but we don't, we don't know any standard players. Like, do you know anyone who can help us out? It's like, sorry, man. Um, and so with something like this, I do know a lot of legacy players and a lot of modern players who still like kind of like playing limited or keep up with it. So mm-hmm. I think it's easier for people to keep it in their friend group. Also, a lot of people didn't buy standard cards during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's really convenient that people could just kind of scroll up with the decks they already have and then not worry about being like, okay, like what's good in standard right now? Like what's, what's the deck I need to buy? Like people can actually just play what they have. So I like this format. I might be biased because I like limited more than standard basically all the time, but I think it's good. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think there was a lot of, a lot of the cards from the last, like you said, from the pandemic made a big impact in modern legacy. I don't want to discount that, but I think they made a, a larger impact, obviously in standard, right? <laughs> Where the whole standard format is things from the pandemic at this point. Um, but also in the, um, Pioneer format. I think the Pioneer format had a, a big, I don't want to say reformatting, that's probably not the right way to say it, but like there was a lot of really impactful cards from that occurred during the pandemic that people might not have access to. Um, we were actually talking about this, um, I think personally, right? But I was trying to build two different decks for the a Pioneer event in person, and I had the issue where I just like don't have any of the lands, right? For the black red deck, I was missing a bunch of lands for, and then for Bant Spirits, I was missing a bunch of the um, double face lands that came out in Call Time. That I just never drafted the set. I never traded them. I was never in stores when people had them, so I just never got them and didn't buy them off TCG Play or anything like that. So um, there definitely has to be some supply issues. I think this is a creative solution. I think hopefully in a year, I would like to see like Pioneer Modern and Legacy, but I do like the idea of what they did here. I think this is a good opportunity for, like you said, for make that one format that is usually going to be the issue for a more experienced team. Um, make that not a concern. If you are the standard player, typically this is an easier way to, you know, quote unquote, get the cards, right? Because you don't have to worry about the drop in $300 to buy the new standard deck. You can just, you know, play limited um, I think that's better. But this is a really good idea. I'm, I'm happy they, they did this. Let's also... also say, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, while, while we're talking about NRG, I uh, just want to give a shout-out to, uh, one, Rodney Bedell's team. Absolutely. I think, right. you know, if you listen to this cast, then you are at least somewhat entrenched in modern legacy, probably. So there's a good chance you know Rodney. But if not, pillar of the community, I'd say at this point, mm-hmm. um, probably su- <laughs> feel like he supplied half the room in Vegas with their decks. Uh, <laughs> so he, he buys and sells a lot of cards and he's very, um, he's just very friendly. He's like always wants to help people out basically. And he loans out decks like left and right. So he's just like a great person to know. Uh, if you're somebody who needs to buy stuff, I highly recommend following him on Twitter, maybe buying from him when he posts stuff. It's always always good like never had any issue obviously i'm biased and friends with him i've been friends with him for years but like no great person but like just want to congratulate him on his top eight uh lost in the finals playing um i think he personally yeah he personally won his yeah individual match but his team lost in the finals uh he was on oops all spells and he beat two blue red dover players in the top eight which is just like insane to me yeah and one of them was Allie warfield so it's not even like 
it's not even like he was playing against somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, right? Like, <laughs> Ellie was, like, in Rivals or MPL? She was, she was in one of them. Rivals. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and that matchup, I feel like, should be terrible for Oops. So, I don't know. I, I think watching him pilot the deck was just, like, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the uh, <laughs> Ellie was playing... Um, the one on Holy Heat in her deck, so I think if it was a Pyroblast, or... No, I'm kidding. I think... <laughs> um, this, is, this is, like, def- I think it's a pretty good matchup in general for for Delver decks, but, like, once again, they, you definitely can get got in some spots. Um, I think, but, like, yeah, post-board, I mean, I'm... That should be a decent matchup. You've got... She has to bring in, like, Fourth Indigations, uh, Grafdigger's Cage, Searchal Extraction... Uh, Torpor Orb, like, you have a lot of things you're bringing in there. Just, you know, you can still get ran over, especially if your hands don't line up. So, I don't know if that was a camera feature that match. I would like to go back and watch those matches. I was like... It was. It was, okay. So, I, I might want to go back and watch those. I was, like, watching Delver play against decks like that, because I think the lines that people have to take to try to win, in my mind, which is an unfavorable matchup, I don't know if you agree, um, but I think that should be a good matchup for Delver. Um, the games end up yeah. kind of being an interesting spot where, you know, potentially she might have had a, a mulligan to five, or maybe he, you know, blind therapied and hit fourth as well, and that was her only uh, interaction point. Like, I just want to see what those games look like. Yeah, they, they were good games. So. Recommend checking it out. Uh, also, shout out to Adam Wasmer and Moses' team. Adam's a friend, and top eight of Dome Lands. It's his first legacy top eight, so. Congrats to him as well. It's huge. Yeah. The, uh... I mean, there was a lot of really good teams there, so... Yeah, definitely an accomplishment. Yeah, definitely a murderous row. I mean, that's that's one of the things, too. I know I always talked about how good the legacy players... I mean, I think the players in general are on the East Coast. Um, but in the Midwest, I mean, they definitely have a good scene there, too. I think, I think everyone has a good scene. I just think that for legacy players in particular, I, was, I still stand by the fact that east coast is the best coast um if you disagree with me you can fight me in the comments um but otherwise um so i always think it's impressive when you see you know players in a competitive field do do really well something uh, that i thought was funny too talking about like killers uh the the limited player on the winning team um he just broke 2,000 ELO on, uh, for limited on Moto, which is, Whoa. like, absurd. If anybody doesn't know, like, that's, like, insanely good. Um, like, I have breached 1,900, I think, three times ever. Like, <laughs> and I think actually only twice. And, like, I felt very good about that. So, yeah, he just broke that it was funny because i was watching uh, the stream and they're like oh yeah we don't think the blue red archetype is particularly good and he just casually didn't drop a game in the top eight <laughs> uh, so i i don't know i think i think he knows what he's talking about when <laughs> he knows how to draft yeah I, I would think so too all right got a little bit of time left i want to we had some questions we asked for on twitter so i do want to at least answer them not too anything super crazy here uh, first question is from one Mr. Lee. Uh, the official date for the store championships are this week for Paper Magic. Most stores are doing modern 1Ks. They can win the store branded promos, warm coils, and cocos. All the L- LGSs must do it on the weekend of the 3rd and 4th. Basically, every store is doing a 1K. Uh, what decks would you expect? 
Uh, so personally, I would expect blue, red, and riptide to be overrepresented. Um, again, I don't think the deck is particularly great anymore, but it's the kind of deck that appeals to a lot of people. So I think a lot of people just stroll up with it. I mean, if you attend your LGS regularly, like you're going to know what is common in the meta. Uh, if you don't, I would account for that. I would account for, depending on how competitive the story is, if it's particularly competitive, I would account for money pile. If it's at least middling competitive, I would expect a good amount of shadow. That's another deck a lot of people like to pick up. Plus, you know, it's been a deck for so long, a lot of people own those cards. So like during the pandemic, rather than picking up a new deck, a lot of people were like, I have four new cards for my deck. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Like, it's basically what the decks like picked up Crooks and Loris, I feel like. That's maybe it. So, like, you know, pretty, pretty easy to stick with that. So, those are the decks I'd expect to see the most of uh, outside of. Other than that, I would expect just like the general modern metagame, but those are the decks I would think would be overrepresented. Same idea. Like, I think you also get a. Arbor Elf, I think it is, for just entering the event, which is super sweet. In my mind, at least, I think if you are playing at a store that at least gets some interaction, I think between Arbor Elf, Coco going to the top eight, and Wormhole going to the champion, I think you're just going to expecting anyone who plays Modern at your store to play there, um, especially if they're going to be doing it during that weekend, the third and the fourth. I would just expect whatever the players, whether they do normally play Modern, or they play Legacy, or they play EDH normally... The, my local store plays a lot of EDH. I still expect everyone to be playing modern because they do have modern decks. They just rather play, you know, a hundred card format. So whatever people normally play, and like you said, there'll be some updates. But I, I think if John was playing Boggles before the pandemic, he there's a good chance if he hasn't really been playing, keeping up with competitive Magic, um, and just you know playing his format of choice, um, he's probably just going to play Boggles just so he can get the Arbor Elf and then maybe he'll top eight and get the Coco, and that's just a, a plus side, an upside for him. Um, that's kind of what I, how I would play it. And just play whatever you want to play. Like, it's, it is a store championship, and there obviously are some prizes, but, like, it's a, it's a good opportunity to get back into your store and see some people you may not have seen for a while. Just have a good time, play something competitive, but don't take it too seriously. No, I'm pretty sure it's life or death. Um... <laughs> All right. Uh, how about uh, Romario Neto? Uh, Romario Neto three on Twitter. Uh, I want to win a modern event this weekend. What version of Hammer Time should I play? I mean, I wouldn't play Hammer Time personally. I do think the deck is good though. Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming you're locked in on playing Hammer Time, I personally would look at one of two lists. I would consider just looking at whatever Axwell played. Uh, uh, he came in second place in the energy event on Sunday, actually. So you look at his deck list. Um, the reason I would go with his isn't even necessarily because he came in second, but he's somebody who's been playing Hammer for like months now, I feel like, and consistently performing well with it. He also spends a lot of time playing Magic and puts a lot of thought into the deck. Uh, you know, I'm in a Discord with him and I see him constantly asking questions like, hey, what should I expect this deck to be bringing in against me? Like, you guys think this is good sideboard options against him. And so, like, he's constantly tuning the deck from, like, week to week. He's not just content to, like, sit on it and be like, oh, yeah, I won with it before. It's still good. So I think just following the list of somebody who is so in tune with the format is never a bad idea. Hmm. 
The other list I like looking at is Max McVitie's. He also played in the NRG event. I don't think his list, I don't remember if his list got posted along with the others, but I know it's on his Twitter. Um, that's Max McVitie. I don't remember his handle, but if you search his name, he comes up. I think it's like underscore Max attack or something like that. His list is a little bit different. Um, he actually doesn't play the Springleaf drums that everyone else plays. Oh. Uh, and he has Thraven inspectors which I think is interesting. I don't know how good or not good it is, but I will say two things. One, Max McVitie has a long history of kicking the crap out of people with aggressive <laughs> decks with small creatures. Yeah. And two, uh, his reasoning at least makes sense. He was saying um, a lot of times he boards out Mem Knight's post-board mm-hmm. into people. And when you board out Mem Knight's and your springly drums get worse. So he would rather just not even play any of that and just play cards that are good and on their own and less likely to get cut post sideboard Hmm. and that makes a lot of sense like just playing good cards is a good thing to do uh also i stand corrected he is playing springleaf drums he's not playing the midnight but i i just think that makes sense uh to just play the better card like it gives you slightly less like it gives you a lower ceiling i guess is the way i should phrase it yeah but I still just think it makes so much sense when he says it like that. Also, it comes with the added upside of he posted a sideboard guide, so you can just copy all his plans. Hmm. Yeah, the the one card, I think, I'm not sure if it was McVitie or if it was X-Whale, but they were saying the, the gingerbread they were playing wasn't, like, super impressive. Um, I believe that was X-Whale said that. Okay, so... Although, if, you know, if one said it, it stands reason, it's true with the other. Yeah, that's true. So that's the only thing too, and like I I do like these versions and they're interesting. I think the version that Xwell was playing was actually playing Core Outfitter too, which I think is really interesting, just as a way to attach your equipment through something like a Karn. Um, it's another way to get that your sword on, so you can actually just sequence where you go, you know, turn one hammer, turn two Outfitter, make a twelve twelve on turn two. Like that's that can win some games for sure. So interesting I don't, I don't know like i don't know if it's particularly good but i mean like being able to go you know turn one hammer turn two outfitter turn three shadow spear equip is a worthwhile line for sure so um, i'm interested to see if that ends up you know picking up some steam or not also romario uh one i didn't know you played modern so that's cool to learn yeah uh billy's laughing but it's true like you know uh i don't think I don't think Billy knows Romario, but mm. I, I've known him for a couple of years. I always think of him as a legacy guy. Okay. Streams from time to time. I enjoy his stream, although I'm very rarely able to catch it. Mm. Um, plays plays a lot of cool decks. Late, I mean, lately he's just been on Doomsday for, I don't know, basically the whole pandemic, I think. Okay. Um, so that's sad because he always kicks the crap out of me whenever we play. And don't, don't love that. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to see you playing Modern. And... If you actually don't play modern and you're just trying to play the championship or whatever and are looking for the best deck, feel free to reach out and we can talk about a deck that I think would be like suited well for you personally too. Cool. So you heard it here first. If you're interested in playing a deck in modern, you don't normally play, Mapson will individually pick your best deck for you. I mean actually for a lot of people probably. <laughs> I mean you know, if they send me a message like, hey, this is the kind of thing I like to do, 
Come one <laughs> and like helping people. I one hour one on one session where Mathen will sit down and handcraft build you a deck based on your personal preferences. It's really just a ploy to tell everyone to play Amulet. Oh, Actually, cool. I don't want that because I hate Amulet mirrors. Yeah. I'm just going to tell everyone to play some deck that Amulet beats. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, last question was from Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy. Uh, which is like a, a tournament series, I think, in the Columbus, Ohio area. I, I've seen them definitely around. Are, are they related to anything that actually, like... Like, I don't get the basis of the name. Like, do they... So they were started by um, the, the tournament organizer. His name is Andy Wilson. Okay. Um, wait, is that the right Andy? And now I'm going to feel like a jerk. Andrew Wilson is like Andy, awkward Andy, isn't it? His last name might also be Wilson, but now I'm thinking Andy Wilson is the guy who top aided Vegas, who is not the same Andy. Now, now I feel like just a terrible person. Robert, there, Wilson? I think there's too many Andys in Magic. No. Um, <laughs> okay. I yeah, it's not Andy Wilson. Oh my god, I feel bad because I know what the profile picture looks like, and I just like can't put a name to it. This is terrible. I feel awful. We even talked at uh at the Legacy Pit Open. This is. Okay. Oh, man. This is actually going to drive me nuts. Wow. Okay. In the meantime... Yeah. <laughs> in the meantime. So the way it started is... He was he was just inviting people over to his house to, like, play Legacy. Uh, he was like, yeah, I'll just, like, hold a tournament, like, at my place. And, like, the, the way he really, like, talked people into coming over was he was like, I'm going to make some buffalo chicken dip. And then it just, like, kept growing. Which... I actually love like I think that's such a, a good origin story for an event and yeah and like I don't know if you've uh if you saw the trophy they like they did it on the same weekend as eternal weekend this year so they got a painting made of like it's a brainstorm but it's uh a chicken and like the the things that like go around Jace's head or not Jace's head um because it's the Mercadian mask image like yeah. the yellow dots or whatever they're like chips with buffalo chicken dip on them <laughs> that's cool it's like it's really good looking they had the person who does all of the um the artwork for mtg goldfish make it oh cool but it looks really good you know i don't actually like buffalo chicken dip but i do like everything else about this tournament as far as i can tell okay. so i i would actually love to make it out that way at some point and i, I actually really like that area too mm-hmm. um if it hadn't been the same weekend as a truck weekend, like I probably would have tried to go out for it. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say probably, but I would have at least considered it. Yeah. Um, I, I would actually love to make it out to one of these at some point. I don't know when, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested in like the prize supports solid. Um, and it's just like, they're not super big events, but it, I mean, they're big enough, right? Like they're big enough to to like travel at least some distance for and it, yeah. it seems like it's always like a fairly laid-back group of people there mm-hmm. yeah like it i think it would genuinely be a great time i'm not just saying that because the question was asked um, so i do definitely want to get out there now this it's actually is this part of like my this is a weird bucket list right but i think there's a bunch of different like tournament series i think it would be really fun to be to actually play at one of my favorite magic podcasts uh before they kind of went into like an eternal hiatus the players were from Comic Town, which is in Columbus, Ohio, which is where this event was held. So, like, I would like to be out there and actually 
play in one of their events at some point. I just, I've heard so many good things about Comic Town that it seems like a, a cool place to check out at some point. And I think this is one of those like tournament series that I think would be worth it. Uh, I've played in you know Eternal Weekend North America. I still want to play in uh, Eternal Weekend Japan and Eternal Weekend Europe. Uh, I still want to play in uh, one of Missouri Germany's tournaments once you know that finally happens. This this definitely is on the bucket list. If they so people, if you are one of the Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy or, organizers, I'll just say it like that. If you guys can run the Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy Seven, um, I don't know if it's yearly or bi yearly. I have no idea. I'm assuming it's bi yearly because I I feel like you guys ramped up the six really quickly. I don't know if that's true. Maybe I just missed it. But if you guys have one, yeah, I don't, I don't know how often it is either. Yeah, I was hoping I would find it, but like it doesn't, I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, but if you guys end up having another one of these events, and it's like, uh, oh, okay, so Buffalo Chicken Dip Five was in August, so I'm assuming it's like, it was canceled apparently. No, it was, it, they did do it. Okay, so I'm assuming they do it like every three months then. So if you guys do the, well, the Buffalo Chicken Dip, I guess it'd be like eight. If it's, like, at a good time, if it's, like, you know, maybe June or something like that, I, I will go. I will make a concerted effort to go. Um, that's a good time for me, personally, at least. So I will drag Mapson along. It is much easier for me to go to an event if Billy is also going to the event because we would carpool. Yes. Yeah, this is going to drive me nuts that I'm, like, blanking <laughs> on his name. I feel like such a bad person. I mean, you are, but, like, that's, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't weigh on your heart, though. It's fine. You have a lot so like, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I'm like not good with names. No, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know that, and everyone knows that because I like try to hide it. But yeah. like, wow, this is so frustrating. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, like once again, I think it's the it's the thought that counts, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's we're we're hitting that hour and a half mark. Is there is there anything else you want to wrap up with this week? I will, uh, not quite a story, but uh, just some funny moments f- from playing Moto that I, I would like to share. Sure. Uh, I thought of that. So uh, when we were looking at Allie Warfield's deck list, um, I, I noticed some merge in their sideboard. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I mentioned I played Rainbow Depths this week. So for anyone who doesn't know, um, Rainbow Depths is a depths deck. It's basically Turbo Depths, but it uses like Gemstone Mine and the lands kind of like that to avoid having forest. Um, and I played against a Red Delver opponent, and, or not Red Delver, sorry, Blue Red Delver, and I like duress them or thought season them or whatever. They had double submerge in their hand. Nice. I was just like, this game is easy. <laughs> so that was that was awesome. So that was a moment where I felt very smart. Um, also, my opponent was just clueless. <laughs> and I had a moment where I felt way less smart. I uh, killed myself by resolving the card reanimate and then losing life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so were, you, were you just like at like eight into like reanimated Grizzle Brand and died? Yeah, basically. I, I just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> One mana get whatever creature I want. No downside. Here we go. Oh gosh, this downside. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, this game's easy. I'm going to get my creature. It, so I was uh, trying to target Sarah's emissary, and I was just like so tunnel vision on. If this card comes into play, this game is over. And I was right. <laughs> you were right. 
Oh, man. All right. Let's, let's get out of here. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Expedition Map on Twitter and at Expedition Map on Twitch, where I basically never stream, but I'm considering streaming the Showcase Challenge if I get 10 more QPs. Cool. <laughs> where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at BadLuckBandit. Uh, you can find the show also at Depth underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, in the beginning of the show, you hear a little uh, bumper uh, talking about all the places you can find us and ways to support us. Once again, it doesn't have to be financial. It can also just be um, liking our things and whatnot. You heard it all in the beginning. I don't need to go over it again. Um, but if you want to find any of our links, uh, either to our personal Twitters or to our Patreon or our PayPal, um, all those links are all on our Dark Depth account on Twitter. That's the easiest way to find everything on that link tree. Um, speaking of Patreon, we do have lovely patrons that support us every week. Um, they are the one of the many reasons we're able to do the show, and we appreciate them very, very much uh, for their continued support. Uh, so I'd like to give a shout-out to Jason Murray, Chris Medikevich, Patrick Owens, um, and our other patron. Um, I know and one more shout-out to Robert Wilson, whose name I finally thought of. I said it was Robert Wilson. I did you? I did. I, I did not hear that. I, you said Andy Wilson. I was like, are you sure you don't mean Robert Wilson? You're like, no. I was like, okay, never mind. Uh, I don't think that's what you said. I, I'm going to go back at the tape now. Yeah, I was going to say, it's really <laughs> awkward if I'm wrong because it's recorded. Yeah. No, because you asked, isn't Andy Wilson Andy awkward? And I said, I, I don't think so. I did ask that too. That was, that was before. I don't know. Anyways, it's definitely Robert... Robert Wilson. Robert Wilson. Okay. So now we both know. That's good. Okay. Um, but yeah, so big shout out to all of our patrons and, and Robert Wilson as well. Um, uh, I hope that you guys had a restful and peaceful Thanksgiving and you guys feel recharged going into December, which I guess the show's going to come out on December 1st. So hope you guys feel relaxed going into the last month of the year. All right. Um, that's all I got. I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right. Bye.